I'm excited to share this message with you. Let me get myself organized here. Oh yes, this blight makes a big difference. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and I have a lighter. I not only have one lighter, but I have two lighters. Thank you to whoever did that for me. <laughs> I didn't want the same fiasco as I had last Sunday with Dan, where neither one of us could light a stinking match. But anyways, let me first remind you a little bit about last week, just in case you forgot, or just in case you were out. Was that me? Sorry. Sorry, Albertine. <laughs> no sleeping today, okay? Um, let me remind you a little bit about last week. Should I take the handheld? Sorry, whoa, technical difficulties. Okay, just a minute. I'm gonna start again because we are trying to get these things so that we can have them podcast. So bear with me. Good morning, Life Spring Church. <laughs> that was nice. I'm excited to share this message with you. I have been working for quite some time on this series of messages. And today is the second Sunday of Advent. And I not only have one lighter, but thanks to somebody who brought me another one today, I have two. Uh, so hopefully we won't have the same fiasco as last week when both Dan and I couldn't light the stinking match. Okay, first, let me remind you a little bit about last week, just in case you forgot or just in case you were not here with us. I've come to realize that many people don't understand uh, the meaning and the significance of an Advent wreath that maybe they only see when, when they go to a store. They don't, I, I've researched many different uh, articles and stuff like that about the Advent wreath, and they don't all sound exactly the same. So please don't worry too much if what I share with you or my explanation or my use of uh, the Advent wreath is not exactly 100% to the article you read, because you'll read another article and it will be slightly different as well. And I'm taking liberties to fit in with my message series as I feel the Lord is directing me, but I will never take liberties with the Word of God. And I challenge you that every time I preach, not only this week or next week, but every time I preach, I challenge you to go home and read up the texts and scriptures that I'm giving you in the service and see what it says. Pick whatever translation you would like and, and check with it yourself. We've seen advent calendars of all types. You know, in the stores, you see them with the 24 little doors. And that is to be opened each day to reveal a toy or better yet, chocolates. Dan and I have been enjoying little video clips from our grandkids this week. Um, and they're doing that. They're opening one door after another and then showing us what little presents they find as they count down to Christmas Day. Those are not quite the same thing as the advent wreath, but they do help count the days 
to Christmas. Last week, I mentioned that a German Lutheran pastor invented the first Advent wreath for the children at his school using an old wagon wheel with candles on it, and that was in 1839. We all kind of started to get along with that tradition in around 1930. And, but in earlier times, Advent was a period of fasting during which people's thoughts were directed to the expected second coming of Christ. But these days, many people have forgotten that we are to be expecting his return. And instead, all they think about when they see the Advent wreath is counting up till Christmas feast. If you have an Advent wreath in your home, I hope that your expectation is more for more than just presents and a feast. Last week, the first candle I shared about and finally was able to light was represented by hope. There we go. I hope I can light the candles today. My message series is entitled The Gift. The first gift we looked at was the gift of hope given to us by Jesus. It is the same hope that led the wise men following the star to Jesus. It is the gift we all need to share with others as well so they too can find their way to Jesus. The wise men found baby Jesus, the Messiah that had been prophesied, and we are waiting and hoping for the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is no longer just an infant king. I shouldn't have used the word just. He is no longer an infant king, but he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he is coming back as a victorious returning king. Those prophecies of his return are yet to be fulfilled, friends. And if the prophecies of his birth all came to pass, why would we think the other prophecies of his return, his second coming, would not be fulfilled? They will be fulfilled. We just need to believe. We need to watch. We need to wait. We need to be ready. And we need to share his gifts with us, that he's given us to others to those around us. Today is the second Advent, second Sunday of Advent. The second candle is also purple, and it represents faith or love. I think faith and love can be very easily connected. The candle is also called the Bethlehem candle, as a reminder of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. The second gift is the gift of love. Woohoo! I did it. John 3.16 is where we read about this gift. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. As a child, many of us re uh, memorized that scripture. I memorized it in the King James and so many other translations are slightly different. So I always have to read it carefully. The closest to what I memorized is in the new King James version where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right there, you have the beginning of the love we received as a gift from God. His gift to us, God's gift to us is Jesus. From the beginning of days, this was his plan 
No need for frantic shopping uh, for the perfect gift on Black Friday or Cyber Monday or whatever they're calling them now. No need to run out on December 24th real quick because you forgot to get somebody a gift. The gift of God was well planned for and provided by, by God himself. He gave us his son, Jesus. I read an article where a Sunday school teacher asked a group of fifth graders at her church to tell the Christmas story in their own words. They pretty much shared the basic stuff, the basic version of the story that everyone knows from hymns and pageants, Joseph and Mary, a donkey, angels, the star, the stable, kings, um, shepherds, and of course, baby Jesus. And as they talked and, and thought about each character, one student noted that under normal condition, kings and shepherds would never hang out with each other, especially not in a stable. What that means for us, one child said, is that from his birth, Jesus taught that we should love everyone, no matter what race, rich or poor, cool or nerdy, and we can add liberal or conservative, Really, they said, we are one in God's love. I agree, don't you? It is a view of unconditional love that defines the gift of love God gave us so very well. There's an incredible sense of power and freedom in both giving and receiving love without condition or expectation. The experience can be so profound that we lose track of whether we're the giver or the receiver. That equals relationship. And that is the type of love Jesus was born to give. Although I have to add something, I have to point out that the love we receive from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we are never able to outgive Him. We are never able to give even as much as He has given us. And here's where faith comes in. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, and it's impossible for us to. Have a relationship with love himself. We come to accept Jesus as the gift, as our gift in faith. Believing that he is who we can't see him, but we're believing he really is who he says he is. Before I get into my points, I want to read a little poem and a or a prayer that I found. It's probably a Catholic Advent reading, but I think it speaks to this Bethlehem candle representing love and faith so well. By the way, the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem, was only about 80 miles. That's not very far at all. And that is, but that was not a short distance in those days. It was a significant undertaking, costing time, money, and effort, especially for a pregnant woman. Here's the reading. In this advent of expectation, draw us together in unity, that our praise and worship might echo in these walls and also through our lives. In this advent of expectation, draw us together with in mission that the hope within might be the song we sing and the melody of our lives. In this advent of expectation, draw us together in service that the path we follow might lead us from a stable to, the, to a glimpse of eternity. May the Bethlehem candle encourage us and our love today as we look with expectation and faith to his return. May he find us loving him, each other, and others who still have not yet received his gifts. 
God in his great mercy and great love gave us his gift of love, Jesus, to all of us. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. But Jesus had to be received by faith in order to accomplish God's purpose for us. There's three points to my message. I know that's not a big surprise to you, but these reminded me of the gift God gave to Mary and how we can learn from her. Number one, the receiving of Jesus. Let's begin by reading in Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. It's said that Mary was really just, just a little bit past childhood. She was maybe just a teenager. but she And she knew enough about reproduction that she knew she didn't know how this was supposed to happen. But yet, by faith, she was willing to accept what it was that God said and the way he was going to accomplish that. Gabriel said three things to Mary. Each of these things, three things were very true to her. And she had a unique place in all of history because she was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. He said she was highly favored. The Lord was with her and she was blessed. But do you realize that all these things are also true of every believer in Christ? We are highly favored, as Mary was. Ephesians 1 verse 6 tells us that. The Lord is with us. Matthew 28 verse 20 tells us that. And we are blessed. Ephesians 1 3 tells us that. The fact that Mary was troubled by the angel's sayings shows her, her humility and that she was surprised to hear such extravagant words about her. Mary knew exactly what Gabriel was talking about too when he passed on the news to her because she knew the word of God. When Gabriel said this, Mary knew he quoted from Isaiah 7 verse 14, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. She may not have had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, but she had Isaiah, and Jesus' birth was prophesied, even the part about a virgin bearing a son. She was the maidservant of the Lord, but it was not her position to debate with God. She couldn't say, no, let's not do that like that. But it was her job to accept what he said. She said, let it be according to your word. 
her response is the proper response that every believer should have to every promise of God to his or her life if they're wanting to receive God's promise. God's promises should never make us passive. They, um, God said it, so it's just going to happen. But they should make us want to receive them by faith, knowing that we have a loving Father who wants to bless us, who wants us to want to receive. We should want to receive that. Luke 1 continues, and in verse 45 it says, You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary received a miracle, God's gift of love, because she had faith. She entered into a miraculous relationship that has blessed people of all times. And I'm not sure if she had a kind of relationship where she's, where, like when I get up in the morning, I say, good morning, Lord. I love you, Lord. I don't know if she had that kind of relationship with him. But in her actions, she showed love and faith. Number two, the tending of Jesus. As a mother of three sons, I know there is a lot of tending necessary when it comes to raising them. Sons and daughters require this. And Jesus being a typical human boy, needing tending as well. This morning I, I was thinking about this part. I'm kind of going off my script here, but my oldest son is 33 years old. That went real quick from the day he was born to now him being 33. And from the day in the stable to the day on the cross, that went real quick for, for Mary as well, I bet. And there was much tending along the way. As Christmas is nearing, the first tending I'll mention took place when Mary went into labor and delivered the infant king. Luke 2 verses 4 to 7 says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them or for them. Mary went through what is required from any woman giving birth to a child. And not all of that is pain-free. Some of what she did was loving Jesus and tending to him even while going through pain. I think we can all say that tending to things in our love relationship with the Lord may also not always be painless. There are times that in loving him and serving him, it costs us something. And sometimes it hurts. But oh, what a reward there is when we press through. Mary tended to Jesus while the shepherds came and visited and worshipped him in Luke 2 verses 8 to 20. And then she and Joseph took Jesus to the temple for his dedication and the purification and all the customary sacrifices and rituals that were required for Jewish mothers and their babies. Luke 2 verses 39 to 40 says this, when Jesus's parent, when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. 
Mary was there then attending to the toddler when the wise men came bearing gifts for the king in Matthew 2. Then she was there caring for him when Joseph took the family and fled to Egypt because of the king in Matthew 2 verses 13 to 23. This would not have been an expected thing for a little family and for a, a, a new mom and a new, her baby. So this task was necessary and needed, but not comfortable um, for them. And this required faith and obedience. I think it's safe to say that many people throughout human history have had unexpected things arise in their days, on their um, requirements that, that they were doing for the Lord and tending to Jesus in their lives and, in, and for our lives. And it required drastic measures for us and for their relationships with Jesus. I think of the disciples who experienced persecution and even martyrdom that we talked about recently. I think of those people who gave their lives so we could read the Bible in our own homes, with, with our own eyes, in our own translations of choice, in our own languages. Many gave up a lot intending to that. And then there are those who fled from their countries to North America so that we could have religious freedoms. And there are still those who fight for that today. Are you tending to Jesus in your life because you love him and you don't ever want to fall away from him? Are you diligently hiding his word or tending to his word that you have so that you will not sin against him? Are you guarding against deception by getting to know his truths? This is all tending to Jesus in our lives. Tending to Jesus in our lives is more than just saying, yes, Lord, I receive you, and then going on your business as usual. Saying, well, I'm a believer. The Bible tells us that even the demons know that he is God, and they tremble. But there's no blossoming love and faith growing in them and that's what we need in our lives, a blossoming love and relationship and faith that builds our relationship. That's what we tend to in our relationship with Jesus. Mary even had to tend to Jesus when he was 12 years old and wanted to start his ministry and teaching uh, in the temple. I bet there are times in your relationship where you have to calm down things that you want to do for Christ, but maybe it's just not time. Well, Mary had to say to Jesus, it's not time yet. Come on home with us. He felt like he was ready to go. It's important to learn that in our lives too, as we tend to Jesus. Are you tending to your relationship with him as you wait on him and wait with expectation for his return? Are you walking in faith in what his timing is, is for you and for what you do for him? Are you staying in faith even when your life is not painless or is not without pain? All of this is part of the faith-filled love relationship we have with our Savior Jesus. This is tending to him in our lives with faith and love. Number three. The giving of Jesus. As a mother, I have found that one of the most difficult jobs that I've ever had to do was letting them go. I love my boys, now men. I love them so much, and I would have, but I don't think I would have ever wanted them to stay home forever either. And in letting them go, I had the privilege of them seeing them get married and have families and have give us grandchildren. I really have enjoyed that. For Mary, 
the giving of Jesus was much harder. I think she knew early on, I know she knew early on, that the giving of Jesus would break her heart. Luke indicates this. But as she listened to his teaching and his preaching, it probably became more evident to her that she really did have to let him go walk the path that his heavenly father had intended him to do and prepared that way for him. John 19 verses 25 to 27 says, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his dis this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. That must have been a very difficult experience for her, standing at, his cro at the cross. Mary was not blind either to the criticism that led up to that point in Jesus' life, even from his brothers at the first. And as he and his disciples and their teaching became more known, the religious leaders started to persecute them and to plot against him. She watched and prayed, and I bet she prayed hard as well for her son. Seeing her firstborn son walk down the Via Della Rosa to Golgotha, dripping in his own blood, broke her heart. Yet she had to let him go, giving him up for the salvation of others. She couldn't have hung on to him. Billy Graham once said the very purpose of Christ's coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die, and that is the very heart of Christmas. His mother, Mary, brought him into the world as we celebrate that at Christmas time. And then it all points to the celebration of Easter and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Love started Mary and Joseph down the path to Bethlehem so that they could receive Jesus, so that, very, so that they could tend to him, but mostly so that they could, at some point in God's time, release him, give him into the hands of his father so he could fulfill the plan for the world. We need to consciously give Jesus to others, not just by preaching to them, but also by loving and serving them. Mother Teresa said, it is Christmas time every time you let God love others through you. Love truly is seen for others when you give them the gift of sharing his love for them. Our church has been really generous, I think, over the years. And, you know, the Christmas Day meal for the RCMP is just one way we've, we do that. We've done many different things for the homeless. I believe that uh, gifts that we've recently gave, given them are going to provide homeless people on the streets on Boxing Day a hamburger and a hot coffee. I'm thankful that we can do that. As an individual, I want to give generally to those in need, and I want us as a church to continue to do that as well. I believe that's your desire. So this Christmas, we can be like Mary in the way of giving Jesus, giving his love to other people around us. The receiving of Jesus, the tending to Jesus, and the giving of Jesus all cost Mary something, and it will cost you something too. It requires faith. It requires love, as indicated by this second Advent candle. Even though at first it didn't seem possible to her, and it may not have made any sense to her either, 
but by faith and due to her love for God, she did it his way, and a miracle came to be. Receiving Jesus, tending to Jesus in our relationship with him in our day-to-day life, and then giving him to others will cost us something. But we'll all agree that like Mary, as she did things, we can be guaranteed that God will bless us. God will use us as we do that. And as we follow her example, God will bless us. And God will use what we give and how we give to others. I'm not suggesting there's going to be any more miraculous births, but I'm just telling you that this is an example of what Mary did. Received Jesus, tended to Jesus, and then gave Jesus. I have one more Advent poem. This Advent time, we remember Mary and Joseph giving thanks for their faithfulness, courage, and obedience, stepping out into the unknown in the strength of your spirit, playing their part in the fulfillment of your plan to bring your prodigal people home again. We pray that their example might be a pattern of our lives, that when your gentle whisper breaks through the clamor of this world and into our small corner, we might be ready to listen, and having listened, to act. Let's remember that like Mary on the road to Bethlehem set her heart to receive Jesus and then she tended to the relationship she had with him and then she released him for God to use him in the lives of others. Can we do the same? God loved Mary and she loved him and God loves us. And I I do believe we love him and we want him to use our lives for his glory. Let's receive the gift of love in Jesus today. But then also, let's remember to give that gift away. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the way this Advent calendar or Advent wreath reminds us that we have hope, hope in you, hope that we will see you one day, and hope that that as we love you and receive that indication of that second candle, the love that you gave, that we will wait for you, that we will serve you, that we will love others the way you want us to, that we will share your gifts, hope and love to other people. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts and that this week we would consciously think about the gifts of God that we celebrate now at Christmas. So we would consciously think about giving that away, that we'd consciously think about others needing you God, change our lives so it's not all about me and mine and what we get and what we give to our kids for Christmas, but we think about the gifts that come from you for a purpose, and the purpose is to give them away. Thank you for coming to Mary and for allowing her to receive you, to tend to you, and then to give you away. We want to receive you this morning. We want to tend to you every day in our lives. And Lord, we want to give you away. May people around us come to know you this Christmas because of that. Bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.